Oh my goodness. I think you need this episode because, well, honestly, I know I need this episode. We are going to dive into a topic that I think is just, uh, it's hard to talk about, but we've all been there. And it's what to do as a teacher when everything you do is going wrong. Yeah, I know it doesn't seem like a very positive topic, but I think it's something that we need to hear because how can we turn absolute chaos into something that is truly incredible? Before we get into the episode, I want to share a five-star review that was on the Apple Podcast app. And it says, listen, if you're living the teacher life, you know that unless you are a teacher, people don't get it. Your spouse doesn't get it. Your parents don't get it. Your kids don't get it. Your friends don't get it. Monica gets it. You'll find yourself laughing, nodding your head in agreement, and light bulb moments as you listen. Well, that's really nice. Oh my gosh, thank you. I I do get it, and I think you get it too, because when we're living this teacher life, we are truly living a life that matters for kids, but at the same time, it is difficult for other people to understand. And I think that is a perfect segue into this episode. What do we do when things are just a hot mess express? Listen in and you'll find out. Only in our world is this normal. friends, it's me, Monica Genta, and I'm really excited to be bringing you episodes of this podcast every week. It's full of tips and tricks, stories and strategies, celebrations and struggles, all from the real life that we are living every day. Welcome to This Teacher Life. So maybe I should start by saying this is not the episode that I had planned on recording today, which is interesting and both ironic considering that the whole topic here is what to do when things go wrong. I totally thought that I was going to sit down after school today and record an episode about things that you can do to spice up Halloween in your classroom. I thought I was going to tell you about some quirky and fun experiments that you can do as a K-12 teacher, even if you don't teach science, how can we make holidays really exciting in the classroom? And maybe that episode will come out at another point in time, but when I got home and I was thinking about just thoughts that were crossing my mind on my commute home from school today, and then I got in my mailbox, I thought, you know what, Monica? This is this is what you need to record an episode on. What you do when everything that you do in your classroom is a complete disaster. So let me give you some backstory on what actually happened that inspired this episode. 
If you've been listening for a while, you know that I'm in a new school this year and I have a very new teaching experience, which is teaching high school kids. I have been a middle school teacher for 10 years and I continue to have four classes of middle school science, but I also have one very large class of sophomores and some juniors as well. And that new experience is causing me to feel like I am doing everything wrong, definitely more than when I feel like I'm doing everything right. Having 28, like nearly adults in the classroom setting at the same time, is a little bit is a little bit rough sometimes. And I think just some added elements to this are the fact that A lot of these sophomores and juniors won't take another science course after this one. A lot of students, this is kind of their final like, yep, all right, don't think I want to take chemistry, don't think I want to take physics, don't think I want to take anatomy. So here they are taking my required general science course. And as I was planning the curriculum, and I truly had a lot of flexibility as I was planning this, um, because there wasn't a true curriculum map at that point in time, I wanted to make sure that I was doing things that kids thought were relevant. I wanted to make sure that I was doing things that were engaging and fun and also realistic, even if these kids aren't totally jazzed about science. And so as I was planning the curriculum, I really thought I would tap into the science of our senses, what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we feel. And so the first unit that I planned was a sound unit. And I think that you can do some cool things with sound and slinkies, and you can talk about wavelength of things, but at the end of the day, I have never measured the amplitude of a sound wave outside of being in a science class. Like that's never impacted my life in a big way. I have never uh, actually thought like, man, maybe I should measure the frequency or the pitch of that sound. Like I've never done actual mathematical work when it comes to sounds. But at the same time, when I take a step back and think about sound, this is a scientific principle that is impacting our lives on a daily basis. Like the science behind this podcast right now is actually quite fascinating. I've got a microphone and I can actually see when I am talking a little bit softer, what does that do to the sound wave? And when I get really excited, which I do often, what does that do to the sound wave? And how am I going to have to edit it? And where do I want to put in a backing track to add a little bit more emotion or excitement? Like that's the kind of stuff that deals with sound that I think is relevant in the 21st century. So I got this idea like, yeah, we're not going to do a slinky experiment. We're not going to have the kids like do all these crazy equations uh, as like the final test. No, what we're going to do is we're going to make this realistic and relevant and fun on a scientific level when it comes to sound. So I went all teachery and created a project and the kids were super mad at me when I said it wasn't a group project. It was an individual project. But 
I also created a killer rubric. I mean, what what is more like living the, this teacher life than creating really solid rubrics or checklists? So I had everything in place for this. I had like the resources and I had the timeline. And the overall project was I was going to have every single student create a unique sound clip, two minutes of recorded audio, and they had to decide if they were going to inform, like something like a podcast, if they were going to persuade, so something like a radio ad that you might hear on a commercial, or were they going to entertain something they might hear on like iTunes, like a song. So they had to pick one of those three areas, persuade, entertain, or inform. So I felt like, Monica, good job. You're connecting this to English language arts. They also then had to pick a backing track from a free website that I actually get a lot of my sound clips from for videos or for podcasts or things like that. I exposed them to this free resource where they could add a track that matched the emotion of their uh, recorded audio. And then they actually had to write a script. They had to write this out and they had to record the audio. They had to edit it. I downloaded Audacity, which is free software onto all the Google Chromebooks. And we were rocking and rolling. I thought, boom, every computer has a mic built into it. It has the software. We've got the rubric. This is based on not just science, but it's also based on other standards that the kids are learning. And then I said, then they're going to have to screenshot three different areas of their sound clips. And they're going to have to prove that the frequency of those sound waves are different. I was comparing and contrasting. Like we were hitting so many great standards. And I introduced this project to kids and I think... I think that fell a little bit flat. Like, I don't think that they were super excited about this project. But I said, too stinking bad. We're going to do it. Like, everyone put on a smiley face. Like, let's have fun with this because this is real life. And I even showed them some startling statistics about how many podcasts get downloaded and how people are still producing, like, spoken sound ads on Facebook and Instagram. I even showed people, um, my students, how people are making a ton of money by being entrepreneurs in this space where all they do is produce sound. Like my, my podcast is not monetized, but so basically what I'm saying is like, I don't make money from releasing this. I just do this for fun. But there are people out there who are making millions of dollars every single year simply because you are listening and downloading their podcasts. So I showed kids all of this and I got them excited in that way. And I felt like, man, I'm making this really relevant for kids who are like, this is a required science course. I don't want to be here. Like, boom, I am showing you that sound can be really powerful. So I got some kids to buy in and I felt like, okay, now we've got some momentum. And from there, quite frankly, like if I'm being honest, shit hit the fan. Like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Technology wouldn't work. Like we could not even get the microphones in the Chromebooks to work. And then once we figured that out, we had to change some settings. Once we got that all ironed out, then we realized that Audacity on a Chromebook 
won't let you import multiple tracks at the same time. So that was a hot mess express. And then what we realized was in an alternate sound editor, you weren't even able to manipulate the sound. And then people were having a hard time finding their saved uh, backing tracks in the Google Drive, like they just disappeared. And then we couldn't figure out how to screenshot something on a Chromebook. Like, I mean, it was just one after another, after another, after another. And I had 28 like practically adults getting frustrated about a project that they didn't even want to do in the first place. And it was one of those moments where it's like, you just start sweating. Do you know what I mean? Like you're teaching a lesson and everything is going downhill at a very rapid pace and your body temperature just goes up and you're like, oh my God, like I need to open a window or something. This is not at all what I had envisioned. I had envisioned kids like being so respectful as people were recording and and everyone was just going to find the perfect backing track in the matter of five minutes and like all these things. No, it took some kids two days to find a sticking backing track and it took us three more days than what I had planned to actually complete the project and it, oh my gosh, like if I'm being really real with you at one point, I nearly just abandoned the project and said, all right, we're doing a unit test instead. Like, this is not worth it. And so maybe you can't necessarily relate to this podcasting project. Maybe you can't necessarily relate to, like, these intense, uh, like, experiments that you might have in a science classroom. But what I think you can relate to are probably these moments where you put a ton of time and a ton of effort and a ton of creativity into making something amazing for kids and then it's a massive flop. And the question is, in those situations, what do we do? How to react? How do we, how do we, I guess, take something that goes downhill? How do we get it to go back uphill? All right, everyone, it is time for a fun fact of this episode. Since we're talking a lot about like recordings and things like this, I thought I would share that I used to record some really interesting, really quirky uh, music videos. I have one out there called Science Science Baby. It's a remix of Ice Ice Baby. I've got another one out there from, do you remember Carly Rae Jepsen when she's like, call me maybe. I have a song called Learn It Baby, which is a remix about all the things that you're going to learn in my science class. I mean, they were ridiculous and it was so much fun. They're on the YouTube out there. In fact, actually, if you go to monicagenta.com slash videos, you can see some of these old school things that I I clearly had a lot of time on my hands as like a first and second year teacher and I was just going for it. All right, so what did I do? How did this project actually end? Did I abandon it or did I say we are going to, we're going to just, we're going to buckle down and we're going to get this figured out. And the answer was, honestly, I did not want to lose street cred with my high school students. It constantly feels like, our relationships are going good and then everyone hates each other in the class. And then I feel like, man, we're really getting somewhere. Like we are finding some common ground and then all the kids come in in a negative attitude. So I knew if I just said, we're not doing the project, I was like, that's not gonna go well. Then every single project after this, 
is going to like result in the same way. So it was funny because I recently got a letter from a student and it's not a student that I've ever met. It's not a student of mine. It's not even a student who lives in the United States. It's a student from Uganda. Eight years ago, I quote unquote adopted a child from Uganda and I started paying to help her go to school so she could have just a life that kids don't really get in Uganda. Her name is Prize and we have been pen pals with each other for the past eight years. And Prize is now a high school student. So in a letter that I wrote to her back in August when I was really struggling with my high school students, I said to her, I said, Prize, I know you live in Uganda and things are very different when it comes to school, but what, what advice would you give to kids who are from the United States who don't love school? Like what, like what would you do? What would you tell them to kind of get their head on straight? And here's what she said. She said, I would begin by just talking to them about the importance of education in a convincing manner. Then if they don't like formal education still, I would give them advice on how to work in life skills into something that they love, or you could have them start a small business. Now, her English is a little bit broken, but Basically, what I hear Price saying is, listen, girl, not all your kids in the U.S. are going to love education. You can try to convince them, but sometimes you just can't convince a high school kid. But what you can advise them is to bring in life skills, things that are actually going to matter, something that might make a difference if they ever do have a small business or some sort of trade school. And when I saw that, I thought, girl, Price... I don't even know you. I've never even met you, but I love your stinking guts right now. And that was kind of the boost that I needed. Like literally from just thousands of miles away, Prize reminded me that things are not always going to go really, really well. Not every kid is going to love every lesson or every project or every activity. But if we as teachers can say, this is going to impact them in life in some way then roll with it. Fight through it. And I think one hard thing is, for me, this was the first time that I've ever done this project. I've never taught this class before. And whether you are a first-year teacher and you're feeling that every single day, like, I've never done this before. Everything feels like a hot mess. Or maybe you're in a new school and you've got a new curriculum or you've got a new age group that you've never taught before. Or maybe you're just trying something completely different. You wanted to just remix your entire school year. And every time you're trying something new, you feel like it's crashing and burning. I feel you. It's tough. Like I said, it makes us sweat. It makes us think like, oh my gosh, wouldn't worksheets just be easier? Wouldn't have been easier, Monica, if you had just created a pencil and paper test and said, here's what we're doing for the unit project. And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it would have. It would have been way easier. But would it have been as meaningful? In the words of Prize, would it have helped them in a skill that they love? No, it probably wouldn't have. So what do we do? When it feels like everything we do is going wrong, we take a deep breath, we give ourselves a little bit of grace, 
We ask our students for patience and we crush it. Because friends, as students started finally getting these projects done and we troubleshooted all of the horrendous issues and all of the tech problems and all of the behavior problems, at the end of the day, when we finish this, please note three days later than when I thought we were going to finish this, when I started downloading the audio files that kids were sending to me and listening to these for the first time, In some of them, I laughed so hard I cried because they were so entertaining. In some of them, I listened to, like, for example, if they were going to inform, they chose really interesting things to inform their audience on. And I was truly like, wow, that's interesting. I had a few students decide that they wanted to entertain, and they spit some rap lyrics like I've never heard before. And I thought, shoot, dang, you are genuinely talented when it comes to singing or rapping. That's why we do these crazy things. That's why we do these projects and we plan for things that are extra work and extra effort, but they make an extra big impact on our kids. So have I regretted this project a million times since I created it? Yes, but it was all said and done. It did feel like there was light at the end of the tunnel. It did feel like this is something that kids can now have in their back pocket. They learned a little something about sound waves in a way that they wouldn't have learned from a test or from a textbook. I made it real life. I made it relevant. And anytime we as teachers are doing that, and we are living this teacher life in a way that's authentic to kids, we're also help, we are also helping them build this student life. And that, my friends, means that we are doing everything right. Friends, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm just really super confident that somebody out there is listening to this in their car or during a workout or maybe you're cooking dinner and you're like, oh my God, I needed that. Like I needed that reminder that when I am a hot mess and everything that I thought was going to look like a Pinterest project in my classroom, or I thought, oh my gosh, like I'm gonna win an award for this incredible opportunity that I just created with my kids and it all crashes and burns right in our faces, it's all right. You are not alone. We are not alone, all right? Now, if you want to have a great time and you need more than just this as a boost, you need like a day. You need a day to celebrate awesome. I want to remind you that I have a conference series called The Awesome Conference, and that's exactly what it is. I've got two locations for The Awesome Conference this year, one in Champaign, Illinois, on Friday, November 22nd and one in Effingham, Illinois on January 24th. I would love to have you come and celebrate education with hundreds of educators from all over Illinois. And hey, even if you're not from Illinois, you can still come. Little road trip, a little Southwest flight, like legit, that would be awesome. But if you are feeling like a failure and you're like, oh my gosh, I just need a boost. I need something fun and refreshing. Uh, The Awesome Conference is no doubt the answer. You can find out more about The Awesome Conference at monicagenta.com slash conference. 
If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you're sharing it with a friend so we can all fail forward together.